Welcome to the Goodness Podcast, the Middle East's first platform dedicated to tackling women's health in a real and honest way. I'm your host, Noor Tahini. My guest on the podcast today is singer and musician Dana Hurani. Hi, Dana. Hi, Noor. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Is this your first podcast? No, it's my second, actually. Second podcast. I'll start by asking you, when did your love for music start and how did it start? My love for music since before I could remember, actually. But when I really started, like, when I picked up the guitar, when I first picked up the guitar, I think I was like 12 or 13 years old. It was my uncle visiting from France, and he's an amazing guitar player. And he was showing me some tricks on the guitar, and I asked him to teach me some chords. And it actually all started from then. Like, that's when I started to sing while playing. And um, But yeah, I think my love for music started since, like, from my earliest memories, mm. like, you know, the first album that I would listen to was Mariah Carey, Music Box. Okay. I think I was like six or seven years old. Which one was Music Box? The it one was... with Hero. Um... Okay, it wasn't the one with the butterfly on it. No, no. Okay, because that was the first, the first cassette my dad ever bought me was that yeah. one. And it had like a butterfly on it or something. I think that album was called Butterfly, right? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. We that have would to make research sense. this before we that put would this make out. Sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you didn't, when you went to university, you didn't study music, correct? No, no. I was 16 when I went into university. Oh, wow. I was a bit young and there weren't any like music universities in Lebanon. Mm. And my dad wasn't comfortable with me traveling <laughs> for uni because yeah. I was a bit young. You, usually you go to university, you're 18. So yeah. I was like a bit, couple of years premature that <laughs> So I just uh, went into university and I did um, business management. Okay. In Honestly, Lebanon? I was in Lebanon. In yeah. AUB, yeah. yeah. Not really knowing what I wanted to do in life. Like for me, music is has was like a hobby, you know. And I'm like, there's no way that yeah. can actually be a future for me, you know. So I, joined, I just joined the music club back in university. We'd do like outdoor concerts. And that was pretty much it. Like I'd record with and jam with friends every now and then. I went into the studio, recorded a few of my songs, but it was it was just fun. Like at yeah. the time, it wasn't something serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think I heard, and I don't know if it was from you or for someone. I think I heard that you were singing at, at university and you yeah. had put out an album while you were at university. Yeah, yeah. I was I was seventeen. I put out an album, but it was just like you know, like a few Covered. CDs at Virgin. You know, okay. it wasn't like yeah an album release. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was pretty much it. I just kind of like exercised to see where I can go or if I can do that. Uh, but it wasn't something that I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna end up being a, a musician or a singer in the future. Because after that, I moved to, um, when I moved to Dubai, when I graduated, that's when like reality hit, you know, and, <laughs> and I was like, okay, so this is a corporate world and I need to get a job. I need to make money. I need to make a salary. And uh, did you have? Did you get a job when you moved to Dubai? Yeah, it's still in the music industry. Actually, I worked with Virgin Megastore, like a sister company to Virgin Megastore, called Daxad, which was a distribution company and a record label. Mm-hmm. But it was a very corporate world. It was like the business side yeah, of music. music. You know, it was it was nice. It was a good experience. But after three years, I'm like, no, this isn't <laughs> this isn't music. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when I met you. Well, I probably met you around 2013, 14, yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah. When I was still at Savoir Flair, because I started at Savoir Flair 2012. So I'm, I'm guessing it was a few years in. And you were very much a fashion girl at the time. Well, you're yeah. still a fashion girl. But it was, you're sort of like 
the the focus was on fashion and mm-hmm. and we worked on a lot of projects with you at Savoir Faire remember yeah. was that ever like was fashion your second love was yeah there... I was always into fashion even like from school days when the school I went to we didn't have a uniform so I was able to express myself with my clothes every single day mm. so it it did start at a young age and mostly because of that like I owe it to, to the school for not having a uniform so yeah I mean fashion I had a love an enthusiasm for fashion since before I could remember as well. And then when after I left my job, I felt like I had so many interests, you know, I had an interest in music, I had an interest in fashion, I wanted to travel and I wanted to see the world. And I'm like, what I need I want to do all of these things. And then Instagram came yeah. came along and somehow I was able to merge my two mm-hmm. passions, you know? And still when it when music was still a hobby as well. So you know like I would Um, I would post about fashion. I would post about, I would post some covers here and there, you know. So I was like doing what I love until it actually grew and then it turned into a professional Hmm. job. I remember, I remember the covers that you used to record. They're so beautiful. I think actually the first video we recorded with you for Savoir Faire, you were playing the guitar. And I remember there was like a room with wallpaper that looked like a library. Oh yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. That was Zaid's old office before it turned into the to, to Zoe's room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that so well. <laughs> At what point did you realize or did you take the decision or whichever one of, of these two options is the right answer mm-hmm. um, that music could be your career, could be what you do with your life? Okay, so when, when me and, and Chris started working together, Chris is my manager slash best friend. So we were best friends and mm-hmm. then Um, I asked him to manage me because um, what he does, he does strategy building, brand communication, PR, and he's amazing at what he does. And he does that for brands. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's work together, do this for me. Um, He was a bit hesitant at first because he's like, I don't (laughs) manage people. I manage brands. I know him. I'm like, it's the same thing. So let's just try. So he accepted. He's like, but he's like, but you need to do music. Like you can't just do fashion. Like you're putting out your covers, but... I mean, try to take this to the next step. So um, I didn't know how. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, okay, of course, I wanted to do music, but I didn't know how to get there. Yeah. Um, and I just needed help and I needed guidance. So um, he started to, like, put me in touch with the right people. And then it went on from there. Like, I just started, we just started talking and networking around, like, with people in the in the industry. And then somehow I got to know my producer in Lebanon um, and sort of, like, my mentor, my music mentor in Lebanon as well. Is he a singer from Adonis? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just started from there. I love their music. Yeah, they have amazing, Mm -hmm. amazing songs. What was the first song that you put out, like your your own? Ella Enta. Ella Enta. Yeah. Okay. I love that one as well. (laughs) So before the podcast started, I told you, I was kind of giving you like a brief of what I wanted to talk to you about. And I said to you, I want to talk, to you about what it feels like to put yourself out there yeah. in such a public way yeah. and whether or not you suffer from imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And you looked at me and you said, how did you know? And I said, everyone suffers from imposter syndrome. And this you're like, crazy. what? I didn't know that. Like, how I had no idea that yeah. many people suffer from this. So the amount of women who I've had on the podcast and the amount of women I've spoken to who suffer from imposter syndrome is like, it's... I would almost say it would be like 95%. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's always women who have accomplished incredible things um, at various levels or to various degrees and still feel like, oh my God, what if someone 
that what if this like what if someone looks at me and thinks I'm an imposter that yeah. this is not like what I'm actually supposed to do yeah. or what if you know I I make a mistake or, like this or job I fuck isn't up for me or... yeah what if I fuck up and they see right through me yeah basically everyone oh my god I have this when I rec- like I will put out a podcast and I'll think why would anyone ever want to listen to a podcast that I put out you know yeah. and it's it's not I don't know if it makes you feel better or worse but it's definitely not unique to you like it's okay so that ma- no that actually makes me feel a lot better have you ever spoken to anyone about it well it was actually Chris that pointed it out to me that yeah. I have it I didn't even know it existed I didn't even know what it meant a few yeah. months ago and he was telling me he's like okay you clearly suffer from imposter syndrome I didn't even know what it was so he had to like explain it to me I'm like oh my god this is exactly what I suffer yeah. from yeah but I do feel a lot better that it, that it's basically relative to someone doing great things, I guess, you know, because I just always feel like, okay, every time I put a piece of work out there, I I always wonder if people are going to like it. And then when they do, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm always questioning myself. I'm always like doubting whether because it could be great in my head, but it could be like awful to everyone else, you know, so I really never know like how people will react to anything I put out there. And then when they do react in a great way, I'm just like, okay, but is this real? Am I actually doing something great or yeah. do I feel like I'm lying to everyone, you yeah. know? Yeah. And is everyone like patting me on the back because yeah. or they're are they friends, just exactly. or they're being nice? Yeah, I think it's it's crazy how like your 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 mind can be your worst enemy at yeah. times and come up with scenarios which are just like so messed up. Yeah, exactly. Um but I guess like now that I know that it's a thing and that you know, it, I I I'm now that I know that it it's there's actually a name for it, mm-hmm. it's something that I guess I could work on, you know. You could so. Google. Yeah. <laughs> how, how to get over <laughs> imposter syndrome. There, I, there definitely are ways. Um, <laughs> and it was actually a question that I had asked. I, it, that had, I had three women on for a podcast like a year ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe March of last year. And they were... Each one of them was, you know, successful in her own field. And I asked them all, do you suffer from imposter syndrome? And they, every single one of them said yes. Yeah. And some of them have thought thought about it more than others. Like some of them could link it back to uh, their childhood, you know, or messaging that they had received and others not so much. And some yeah. of them had figured out self-talk that helps them get through yeah. it and, and and ways to work with it. And some hadn't and stuff. So it's it's really common. And it's... Um, and it, you know, the, I think the worst part about imposter syndrome is that it stops you from putting certain pieces of mm. yourself out there. Mm. Like, I feel like there is so much more of me that I can show, but I don't because I, I don't believe that it, it, it would be... Well it would received. sit right with yeah. people, you know, yeah. or or would be well-perceived, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it actually stops you from giving your all. Yeah. It's so interesting you say that because I've been always working on, on, on some aspect of myself. With I'm just so interested in, I'm so interested in the idea of growth and in the idea of how, like, growth, the idea of growth being that as you live, you become more and more truly who you are. Yeah. A friend of mine this weekend gave me a really nice analogy, which is imagine you have a mirror or sorry, a window, like a round window, and your soul is looking out of that window. And 95% of the window is covered with a black curtain. That black curtain is your unconscious. It's all of the limiting beliefs that you have about Mm. yourself. It's all of the negative self-talk. It's all of the things that you've carried from your childhood, like feelings of unworthiness because of Mm. this and that, or feeling a fear of failure, etc., and your role in life is to keep pushing back that curtain more and more so that 
the real you and your soul shines through mm. as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been thinking about that a lot and how like, how does one do that? How does one, you know, overcome all these things that we've been programmed with? Fear of failure, fear of, you know, putting yourself out there or um, feelings of unworthiness and not being enough. And we, we all, like so many of us, carry them with us from our childhood. Yeah. But see, that's what you would think. You would think that this is baggage, right? Yeah. And that you would need to see a therapist to kind of understand why you're like this yeah. based on what, you, what happened in your past. Yeah. But it's actually what I believe, actually. It's the mindset. So instead of what I would do, what I would want to mm -hmm. do, instead of see a therapist, I would see a rapid transformation therapist. Mm. I saw one of those. Yeah, that would actually work yeah. on your mindset today and yeah. the power of your mind to be able yeah. to control what you can and what you yeah. can't do. So you've done RTT before? I I did a, like a very quick session yeah. to kind. I didn't do a session actually. She explained to me the what therapist she would do. Yeah. what rapid transformation therapy is and that. One session of rapid transformation therapy is equal to 10 sessions mm. of uh, mm. psychoanalysis. Yeah, because the idea with, rap with the rapid transformation therapy is they go directly into your subconscious. Yeah. Like they, it's like a direct target, yeah. like a two-hour session or something. So I did one. Um, and I did one with a lady who's at uh, the wellness center. Yeah, it's the, it's the only place. Wellness. Yeah, the 100 wellness. It's Helen. the only place that yeah. has it here in yes. Dubai. So I've done a session with Helen. She's really lovely. Um, and it is intense. It's it, like you're you're under hypnosis for 60 to 90 minutes yeah. and like re recalling these parts of yourself from the past. But it's so helpful. Yeah, it's, it's so helpful because it actually something clicks in your mind yeah. at some point. I don't know when throughout like the sessions, but it just it's your mind that is controlling all of your actions yeah. and where you are yeah. and where you want to be. Yeah. I think it's also interesting when you talk about mindset, it's also interesting when you're looking at these limitations or belief, etc., to see that they can have also served you in your life. Yeah. You got to this point with all of this. And yeah. they've all played a purpose. Yeah. And then maybe to move forward, you need to eliminate yeah. them. But it's it's like, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, but it, it, it all depends on where you want to, like where each person wants to go. Like yeah. everyone has their own goal in mind, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's say today, everything that I've achieved up to today is something that I could have achieved while having all those limitations. Mm. But... Where I feel like I want to be in my life or where I want to be in my career, I don't feel like I can get there with these limitations yes. right now. Yes. And I need something more. I need the power of my mind to help yeah. me, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I went on a retreat a few weeks ago and there was like a whole segment of it, which was on the power of the mind and what you can actually accomplish if your mind is on your side yeah. and I think that it opens up things exponentially and I and I do feel like when you look at the most successful people in the world in whatever field they're in there are people who have worked with coaches they're people who've worked with like they've they've cracked the mind of course of yeah. course because they cannot like just think about it you can't you can't be an artist and a creative but be like a genius in that field as well to kind of help you get yeah. the best of yourself yeah. you know you yeah, need yeah, yeah. you need the help yeah. of different people in, of with different expertise yeah. to guide you yeah it's like a full circle of things you know yeah so imposter syndrome entirely normal <laughs> so happy yeah <laughs> entirely normal but i mean you're in a in an industry which is particularly difficult because what you do or what you put out there is entirely based on personal taste. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. no matter how good you are, there's always going to be someone who doesn't appreciate Does, yeah. your music. Or not even, appreciate is probably not the right, the wrong word, because you can always appreciate something. It's not their taste. It's not their yeah. taste. Is that is that something that 
do you think about? Is it something that worries you? Is it something, or are you, um, on the contrary, quite set on developing a very unique and personal style? Um, it's definitely something I think about, but at the end of the day, you can't, this is something I learned before getting into music, that there's no way that you can please everybody. Mm. And so there, you will have an audience, but you will also have an audience that doesn't like what you do. But having said that, of course, I try, it's not like I say, like, I don't care what people think and I want to do what I want to mm. do. No, I like, I would like to have um, as big as of an audience that would listen to my yeah. music. But at the same time, I need to stay true to what I like and what yeah. my sound is. Mm. You know, I can put out a sound that would cater to the mass. Um, and maybe one day I will, you know, like, you know, the, um, what do you call it? Like, for example. It's like in Star is Born. Remember, have you seen it? A Star is Born, the one with Bradley Cooper and Lady yeah. Gaga. Yeah. Where like they make her do but that in song. In Arabic, it's so tricky. Like in English, yeah. it's easier to make a song that will cater to the mass. Mm. And in Arabic, it's tricky that to do that. But not have it affect, let's say, the 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 image that I've built or the my identity in general. Why did you decide to sing in Arabic? At the beginning, it wasn't even an option. But when I met my producer that I work with and my mentor, like he really, really advised me to sing in Arabic. One, because I'm Arab. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and two, because there is a gap in the music industry where like there is a certain genre of music that combines the East and the West, mm -hmm. kind of. Mm -hmm. So he was telling me, he's like, you can offer something relatively new versus singing in English like mm -hmm. millions of mm -hmm. other people. Where would you stand out more? Definitely you would stand out mm. more in Arabic. Yeah. Um, so I gave it a shot. I was like, okay, but like, um, yeah. I'm not making any promises. So I'm like, I'm going to try and I'm going to give it a shot. And I actually really enjoyed it more and more. And now I just, I really do see myself just continuing yeah. in Arabic. And you've been, uh, you released your latest song, Yay, yeah. was a cover yeah. from a really famous song. Yeah. I'm not going to know which song it is. Na Nancy Ajram. Yeah. Nancy yeah. Ajram. Yeah. How was that received? So kind of audience that didn't used to listen to my music before really loved Yay. Yeah. You know, and then some, uh, there are some people like who are very attached. That's the thing with covers. Like if you have people who are very attached to originals, they will almost never like covers mm. in general. Mm. So that was a bit tricky, especially mm. like for, you know, the, the hardcore Nancy Ashram fans. But I somehow, yeah, got, got a new audience as well. Because our team works remotely, we're often cafe hopping with our laptops and recording gear. We wanted to let you in on one of our favorite spots to do that. One Life Kitchen and Cafe in D3. Everything from the laid-back vibe to the top-notch coffee and fresh food makes it one of our favorite spots in Dubai to work, meet up with the team, or just be alone with a good book. One Life is part cafe, part restaurant, part coffee roasters, part co-working space. If you're in D3, go check it out. You also, um, you sang on stage at a festival in Beirut. What, yeah, Lebanon? it was the Junior Festival. Junior Festival. Mm -hmm. I saw that and like, I think I have no bigger fear than to be on an audience, in, in, on a stage in front of thousands of people. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> that for me is also the... The hardest thing for me to do in, in yeah. my field right now. That's the one thing. Like everything else for me is 
you know, pretty simple to an extent mm, mm. and fun. Mm. I still haven't gotten to the point where I can, where I'm craving to get on stage because it terrifies me. Yeah. But I know I will get to that point. But the fact that COVID happened and I wasn't able to practice that or be able to do that at all kind of set me back yeah. a little bit, yeah. you know. But I'm hoping that this year I'll be able to do it and kind of like overcome that fear. Do you remember that experience or is it like yeah, a blur? Yeah, I was terrified. I was terrified. Did you do anything before? Like, did you have any? Did you meditate in the corner? Did I was you? meditating for like three months before <laughs> getting on that stage. I started meditating like a couple months in advance. But yeah, honestly, it was just two songs. I need to get through it. Yeah. And let's see. And then when I got on stage, the first few minutes were so terrifying. But by the end of it, I'm like, no, I want to go again. <laughs> Really? Oh, yeah, I wish I had another song to sing, you know, khalas, like you get through the, once you get through the first few minutes, you're good. And yeah. I'm guessing that there's like an electric energy you get from yeah, the crowd. Yeah, there's a rush that there's nothing else like it. Yeah, That's amazing. So is the goal one day to have your own concerts? Yeah, of course. Once the album is done, hopefully like we can start going on tour. So you're yeah. recording a full album now. Yeah. You've put out three singles so far? Five. Ila Inta. Ila Inta Lahza. Lahsa, yes. Um, Zoruni, Inti uh, Ana. Inti Ana is the beautiful one. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's five, yeah. Okay, and when are you hoping to release the album? September, hopefully, yeah. And will you tour globally or in the Arab world? Um, we're going to start off in the Arab world and see yeah. where, where it goes from God, there. That's so exciting. Yeah. You're going to go on tour? I hope so, if we can. <laughs> Do you feel like social media has made this easier for you, has made it more difficult for you, or a bit of both? Mm, that's a good question. Because before you launched the music, mm. you had already kind of grown a following on Instagram, mm -hmm. right? From the fashion. Yeah, exactly. So no, it, there, it's, it's definite, it definitely helps that I had, an, I had a following to start with. Because some people in the music industry would say like, um, like, oh, like you kind of, you, you did a lot in just a year and, mm. or a bit over a year. But I say, no, it hasn't been just a year for me. It's been eight years, actually. Yeah. You know, it's not since I started music. It's since I started building an audience. Yeah. And then maybe that audience wasn't, a, you know, an audience for music, but they still are. So that definitely helped me get my music out there much faster than it would have mm. if I didn't have that following. But at the same time, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to get out of the influencer category. Once you once you start that way, a lot of people might might always see me as that. Whereas even though you have like international celebrity artists that do act as influencers, like they do collaborations with brands, but they see them as artists before influencers because that's how they started. Mm. So with me, I started the opposite way. So when do you feel that? Like what instances have you felt that that's been an issue? Um, for me, as long as I'm doing the brand collaborations, I feel like some people would see it as that. You know, yeah. As Even a, though, like yeah. a lot of the brands right now work with me as a as a musical artist, not as an influencer. Mm. But just because, like you know, I started that way, it's kind of like hard to. I don't mind the title at all, but I just, um, you know, like it's just sometimes I go through this whole identity thing. Like I want to be a, I, I want to be an artist before an influencer, but I love that part of my job as well. You know. I think in the beginning you said like you were you were hoping that you would get to a point where you could do music, fashion, and travel yeah. at the same time. And it does feel like you've managed to strike that balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, breaking out of something once you've created 
a persona or an identity on Instagram is very difficult. Yeah. Especially on the same platform because people exactly. don't forget and yeah. people go back to your old photos and yeah. people like… Exactly. And so for them, it's a bit confusing as well. Like, yeah. And I, I, I completely understand it. You know, like some people are like, are you an influencer or are you a musician? I'm mm. like, well, I'm a musician, but I could be both. Like, what's yeah, in? Yeah. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because also like, does that make them a fan or a follower? You know? It make, I, ju I just… I. What I didn't understand was their confusion. Yeah. I'm like, but you know what? It's valid as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's 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 the difficult part of. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because like you could you're you're a fan of an artist, yeah. you're a follower of an influencer. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit of a blurred line. Yeah. Do you interact a lot with your followers on Instagram? Like, do they give you active feedback on your music? Do you like? I, I remember listening to a podcast where there were two. Can't remember who it was. It was like an act. Two actors or something like really, really established people. And uh, they were saying they never, ever, ever read their comments because it's too much negativity. It's too, it, like it would influence them way too much. Exactly. I completely agree with that. I mean, no, I read, I read a lot of the, I, I read as much as I can mm. uh, because I don't like to spend so much time on my, f on my phone reading comments, but it definitely somehow will so if you don't think it's influencing you, it will subconsciously influence yeah. you. Yeah. And that's not a good thing because everybody will always have a different opinion about you and that can't set the way you work about yeah. things. Yeah. You know? So I try not to. Yeah. And I think the sort of like the nuance between influencer and um, an and artist here is also blurred because maybe you would expect to have that back and forth with an influencer on Instagram, yeah. but not necessarily with an artist. Yeah. Yeah, because we're at the end of the day, I'm I'm trying to create something. Yeah, and for me to create something that's 100% a part of me. Yeah, I can't be listening to a thousand different opinions while doing it. You know, I mean, I just when you said that, I I when you said a part of me, it hits me again how um, how difficult and also beautiful. It is to put literally, it's like you're taking a part of your soul and you're putting it out there and saying like, this is what I made. This is from me yeah. and and giving it to the world. Like, also, because I'm not someone who talks much on Instagram. Yeah. So it's it's like a bigger deal for me for them to actually, because every single song that I put out there for me is truth, you know, like yeah. I would mean every word. Like I sit with my my mentor, Anthony. We write together. He puts it into lyric form. But nothing goes out there unless it's true and 100% yeah. me. And also on Instagram, I'm not much of a talker. They don't know much about me to a certain extent. Yeah. And I don't really talk about my mm. private life so much. Like, you know, they, my audience knows the basics. Yeah. And my music is my chance to actually tell my truth and my story. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's the most… I think that's the best part of what I do. Like, I can finally be able to talk, but in a way that I want to, you know? Yeah. In your own language, yeah. basically. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. What's your creative process like? So what inspires you? Do you… So I know that like Taylor Swift's inspired by breakups. And <laughs> so, so each, each like… And she'll out them. She'll say their names. Yeah. <laughs> and so each, each artist has, you know, what inspires them, what drives them, etc. What is it for you? Um, everything. Everything inspires me and it's always it's usually mostly about what I'm feeling and going through at the, the time that I'm mm. in that I want to that we're actually creating a song, you know, uh, there I can't say anything specifically, but yeah. it really just it's everything. 
It could be a song. It could be a movie. It could be my family. It could be... It really just depends on what I'm going through at the time where we're creating. Yeah. Hmm. Do you do you ever feel blocked? Oh, a lot. Yeah, so many times. So many times. What helps in those situations? Uh, to let it, you know, Flow. go through the block. Okay. <laughs> you, have to, you have to go through it because... It just, uh, something clicks after a while and you're inspired again. But yeah, Yeah. I understand the process now, you know. Does Zoe, your daughter, like fully understand what you do? Yeah. She knows every lyric to your songs. (laughs) Yeah, she knows. It's amazing to see. But for her, she thinks it's a normal thing. Like she thinks all mommies sing and put out songs. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I mean, because it just, it started since she was like, I started when she was still a baby. So for her, I don't know if she sees it as like, oh, wow, like, Mm. My mom is accomplishing this yeah. and that, you know. For her, it's a bit more like it's all she knows, you yeah, know. That's true. <laughs> we spoke a little bit about, about Instagram earlier. I asked you if it's been like an obstacle or maybe something that's helped. And I wanted to ask you, so you share your, I've, I've seen your husband a few times on Instagram, Zoe's often on it. Was there ever a moment where, like a tipping point where you had to decide, okay, I'm going to put more of my life on Instagram because mm-hmm. this is what people want to see. Was there ever, is there ever like an inner struggle where you're like, I would, I would rather not have to, yeah. but I understand that this is, you know, the game you play on Instagram. How does mm-hmm. it feel for you? Okay, so it was actually much simpler than that for me. Uh, <laughs> <Good>. Before, <laughs> I like to complicate things in my mind. <laughs> no, no, but, but I've, I've been asked that question okay. so many times. And it does seem like a complicated way to analyze things, Mm. right? Obviously. But for me, before COVID, I would just literally put out my work because I I didn't want to… It wasn't something that I thought about, but I was just more interested in showing my work. And I wanted people to do that, even though I know people like to know more about my private life. But Mm. I didn't think that my private life would be that interesting. For people, yeah. (laughs) For people, you know. Um, When COVID hit, I'm like, okay, I'm not working right now. Um… I'm not like visually communicating mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that that was the content that naturally started coming about. And actually people started reacting really well. Like they got to know Zoe, Zid a little bit more. And I never had an issue with putting them. I just never had the time because I was like working all the yeah. time and I always communicating. I yeah. was always communicating about something. But when I started putting them, when COVID hit and we were at home all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be off social media because… You know, I love social media yeah. as well. I kind of like shifted my perspective. I'm like, okay, yeah, I knew that people like to know about others' private lives, yeah. but like not to this extent. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of started finding a balance between the two, between showing my work and showing my life mm. as well. And it kind of con- made me connect to my audience on a different level. Like they started to see the human side of me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And I but I almost feel like once an audience, you know, has seen a human side of you, they also expect vulnerability. Yeah. Right? They want to see. And we, we've seen so many influencers do this where, you know, they'll, they'll post a video of them teary-eyed explaining what happened <laughs> yeah. during that day. Like, it's almost like, you know, the, the followers, they thrive on that. They want to see that you're human. Yeah. They want to see the vulnerable side of you. Yeah. I don't know. I get uncomfortable with that. that yeah. I don't think I'll ever get to that point. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not even like that with my friends in a room, you know, so let alone to do that with an audience. I mean, of course, I get vulnerable many times but I feel uncomfortable showing showing that because I feel like it might seem like a cry for attention I don't know Mm. you know yeah yeah 
That's a very good point. And actually, now that you said it, I've heard a lot of people react to those videos from influencer going like, oh, boohoo, like yeah. it's a cry for attention. Yeah. And yeah. also like every everyone's battles and issues are valid for themselves. Mm-hmm. But like, right now, I feel like we're living in a time where so much is happening. Yeah. That whatever, so I would, yeah. Like, whatever I would say or put out there yeah. is incomparable to what's really going on, yeah. you know? That's a very good point. So, yeah. That's a very, very good point. But I guess also you're vul- you have another medium for your vulnerability, right? That's exactly. Your music. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I, I get to that. I get to express myself yeah. in other ways. You know, I'm I'm lucky to have that. You know, so I'm I'm always trying to better myself. I'm 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 always working on myself. I'm always like trying to learn and grow and perfect what I'm doing in the field that I'm doing it. You know, so I do feel like I put in a lot of the work. But there is luck that has to do with it at the same time. So I feel like it's a mix of both. What does that look like for you when you said, I'm always working on myself and trying to perfect what I'm doing? What does that look like practically? As much as I could, you know. Yeah. Um, everything that I need to be doing, like from vocal coaching to like um, performance coaching to uh, being in the studio whenever I can to writing mm. to, you know, like everything that I need to be doing to put my work out there. And at the same time, like working on the collaboration and I try not to underperform in any part of my job whether it's in music or uh, collaborations with brands as well what's your dream goal like what's the end goal what's the what would be I mean I'm sure that if I ask someone in the U.S. they'd say like this they want to sing at the Super Bowl or something like what's the dream for you I would love to be recognized internationally even though I'm singing Arab music Mm. you know you see that happening a lot like world music now is is much more popular than it used to be um but yeah, I mean, it, everyone says it might be a bit difficult to get an international audience given that I'm singing in Arabic, but mm. getting that would would be ideal for would me. would be amazing. Yeah. Have you ever used things like, uh, have you ever worked with like visualization or uh, manifestation or et cetera? Has mm-hmm. that ever been part of the work yeah. that you do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I try to do that as much as possible. Yeah. And Chris Chris is actually really big on these things. Like he he pushes me to do it. He pushes me to create an actual visual board and cut out letters and stick really? them. Really? Yeah. I haven't done that yet. But like I write things. I write things down in a journal. Yeah. And that's how I manifest. Yeah. Yeah. That's That can be really powerful. Yeah. What would be on your vision board are you able to say? Um, I, I write every day. Yeah. You know. It's it uh, it's always a bit more short-sighted. It's not mm. like a long-term thing. So let's say I have a, a music video that I'm shooting yeah. next week. Like I'll write it down in okay. a way where like. Yeah, this will happen that way yeah. and this will happen this way yeah. and then it will do this well or, you know, yeah. like achievable numbers, not some realistic goals. Donna, thank you so much for being open and answering all my questions. It was so nice to talk to you. Thank you for asking all the right questions. Thank <laughs> you. And I can't wait to see where your career goes next. Thank you so Good much. Luck. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you're not familiar with Goodness, head to www.goodness.me to access the online platform and articles and follow us at Goodness on Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and share it and we'll see you next week.